So we are continuing our series on unsafe people. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jody Stevens. How to spot them, also overcoming the pain that they cause, and then also how do we as people stop attracting them? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for listening to the show. It, again, if you're new, welcome. So glad you're here. We are about mental, emotional, spiritual healing on this program. So if you like this show, uh, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a review on iTunes or whatever app that you're uh, listening through. If you know someone who could benefit from it, please share. And you can also find other encouraging resources like my healing blog and also identity course on my website. It's jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, Stevens with a V.org. And also, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at connectwithjodystevens at yahoo.com. And I love the opportunity to answer them in an upcoming episode. So I'm hanging out with my friend, Christy Johnson, who we're just, we've just been catching up recently. I know I haven't talked to you in like 10 years. I know, it's been so long, way too long. (laughs) And you, through the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and doing a lot of your own work, overcame Mm -hmm. and got out of an abusive relationship, which you were in for a long time. 18 years. So we're going to kind of get into your story, what (laughs) happened when you knew it was dysfunctional, what part you played, all these sorts of things. But for all the male listeners, you know, we've been doing kind of a series on this. And I don't want you to think, you know, we're like male bashing or something. Because when it comes to spotting unsafe and, and people and things like that, first of all, we all play a part. And secondly, mm-hmm. women can be just as narcissistic and abusive yes. as men. So it just happens that I'm talking to my gal friends. Yeah. So we met in California. I'm now in Reno and you're in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> the travelers. Did we meet at Bayside Church? We actually met at a David Crowder event that you were doing with the fish. For those of you that don't know, I did morning drive on the fish in the Sacramento region for well, 10 years, but I was with Salem for 17 years before we came to Reno. So I know there's a lot of people listening from that area. When we met, I don't think I was married to Aaron yet. We were dating mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and you and I spent some time together with you and your then husband. And I yep. did not know that you were in an abusive relationship. And I don't know if you knew either. You know, I don't think I really, I did not put it together at that time. You know, when you're in the middle of something It's like you see certain signs, but you kind of dismiss it and you Mm -hmm. just, you know, and I am a peacekeeper. Like I'm learning now there's a big difference between peacekeeper and peacemaker. And I was most definitely a peacekeeper. So whenever I would hit a trigger, I wouldn't see it as alarming. Like, oh my goodness, this is not okay. I would just put in my mind, don't do that again because you don't want that response. So I learned how to just mentally take note of where not to trigger him, even though his trigger, like the things that would trigger him were very, they're not okay. The things that he would do were not okay. But because when you're dealing with somebody who is very controlling, they they turn it around and they make it out to be your fault. And because I'm a peace, I was a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. I'd be like, I need to keep the peace. So don't wake the sleeping grizzly. So just keep him happy, keep him in the cave, keep him fed, keep him warm, (laughs) and and don't 
wake the grizzly. Yeah, the peacekeeper is really lying to themselves and everyone else. And a peacekeeper, I'm from, you know, my brother died of alcoholism. And so the whole dynamics, yeah, the whole dynamics of an alcoholic family is also about keeping the peace. Let's Mm -hmm. ignore the elephant in the room. Let's ignore that dad's raging. Let's ignore that so-and-so's drinking. So peacekeeping is dangerous. And people in the church, like they confuse peacemaking with peacekeeping. Like you said, it's, it's, there are two very different things. Like Jesus was a, a peacemaker, but he certainly mm-hmm. wasn't a peace. People think, oh, Jesus was so sweet. Well, if he was so sweet, they wouldn't have killed him. Right? Right? I right? mean, exactly. you know, because he was not exactly. peacekeeping, mm-hmm. you know. No. You know, it's funny, though, because uh, my people picker was broken for a long time, <laughs> like yours was too. Yes. Thanks. I got that from Dr. Henry Cloud. He gets an honorary <laughs> mention in every episode because the whole point of this unsafe people was because I read his book called un- called Safe People. So I did the series on unsafe people. But mm-hmm. it's funny when we met you both because I didn't sense anything, but my husband did. Like he mm-hmm. knew there was something wrong with with who you were with. And we mentioned right. you know his name. Uh, he he was like that guy's arrogant. I don't like him. Yeah. And there's something wrong there. And, and he often would do that. He catches things that I catch now. But mm-hmm. I will say this, and you can relate to this. You can't attract healthy people until you are healthy. And so 100%. I missed everything because I was taught to ignore my instincts, as you probably yes. were too. So oh, yes. I, I just, oh, well, everything's fine. And, and then yeah. later on, uh, you know, 10 years later, I'd go, Gosh, I knew something was up. You know, and the thing is about for me, so I was very independent. Like I I went to Bible college and I was not one of those girls that was looking to get married. I mean, they joke about Bible college being bridal college. I was very independent and on on a path and I was very okay being single. But what happened with me, because I was broken, because I had a very neglectant father, so my dad was very, you know, angry all the time, and he was very like the man's man, and he let you know hunting, fishing, all of those things. And uh, I, he and I just never really got along. And then he had he got hit with MS, and he became very angry as an individual. So we just didn't have a good relationship. I don't remember him ever telling me he loved me. He just was very, very, like, just very not involved with me at all. And so when this person came into my life, the controlling people do the complete opposite. They become very possessive very quickly, and that's exactly what happened. And that, and what that did is that hits a trigger in me to, like, oh, I'm seen, I'm needed, I'm wanted. But the way he did it, I mean, when people have looked at me and they're like, how did you not see that? Well, because I was broken and because I felt very devalued. And so, and he made me feel instantly valued. And so that hit that that spot in me. And I went swung right from one end to the other. <laughs> well, and you were searching for the validation that you never yes. received from your father. Now, my dad is right. quite a bit like your dad, not quite as much. He was always there for me and took care of all my needs and stuff, but totally strong, silent type. Um, mm-hmm. He was a teacher for a while. So everything he would just do for me, like as if I couldn't do it myself, you know. And so right. th- there was very much that, that he didn't mean to invalidate, but it was basically, it, it was a form of invalidation. And when feelings mm-hmm are invalidated what happens is you you stuff them because you think they're wrong and so then you don't Mm -hmm. even know what they are and then when you do you you know and then you attract people that see that and they'll tell Mm -hmm. you 
stop feeling that way. You shouldn't feel that way. So then you kind of you, yeah. you try not to and then you yeah. grow older and you you um, you keep making excuses for mm-hmm. the way that you feel. And God gave us those instincts and he yep. did it for a reason. Yep. But you're you're taught to ignore them. And in your case, this this possessiveness, prob- it, it felt like love to you because you didn't really know what healthy love was. It was like, yeah. wow, I must be everything to him, yes. you know, because he yeah. actually is paying attention to me. <laughs> yes. Right. But you know? the crazy thing is, is the Holy Spirit alerted me from moment one, but I didn't understand it at first. So we had actually gone to a worship night and we're now 20 years later. I'm lear- I've learned very clearly to listen very closely when the Holy Spirit is saying something to me. But when you have somebody that's possessive, they want to be that Holy Spirit for you. And so you sometimes ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And you go, oh, well, I'll lean into him because I want to listen to what he says. And so the very first moment I felt like I felt a big like urge. This is not good. And this is too much. And I actually told him, I said, listen, you know, I appreciate this. You know, our the friendship that we've started so far that this is really this is where it ends. Like, I, I, you know, let's be friends. And then you go back home because he'd come up from, you know, he had come up from the U.S. to visit. And I said, you know, let's be friends. We'll hang out. I'll show you the scenes. And then you need to go. The next morning, he grabbed me, literally grabbed me by the hand, stuck me on his lap. And he said, I just want you to know I prayed about what you said. And I am not letting you go. Mm. And you and then people when I tell that story now, people go, warning, warning. <laughs> <laughs> Right. All I thought is, oh, okay. And I just said, all right, you're just going to have to give me some time. I mean, that was the Lord telling me this is not okay and yeah. you need to listen. And so, like, the very, you know, because I hadn't told that story in a long time. And when I told it shortly after our divorce, like, the friend that I told, her eyes were humongous. She's like, mm-hmm. you didn't see that? I was like, no, I didn't. Because, again, you know, when you're not whole and healed, your discernment, you, you could feel it, be feeling something, but you don't necessarily know what it is. And then you, you know, you lean into something that's another unhealthy situation. When you don't get the validation that you needed growing up, your self-esteem right. is shot. And yeah. when your self-esteem is shot, so you need to have the self-confidence to be able to mm-hmm. walk away. Like my friend of mine, Lori Lara, always talks about, you have to walk away. When our instincts tell us something's wrong, we have to walk away from not only the bad, but the yeah. good too. So yes. it's like there was so much good in your marriage, in your relationship, mm-hmm. but there was so much bad. And you can't, yes. you, you know, it, it's you have to let them both go because with someone like an abusive person, they're very fun and dazzling. And if you're a codependent, mm-hmm. I, I would say if you're an ex-codependent like me, you like these controlling narcissistic people because they're very fun. They're very charming. They're very take charge. They're very, they're fun yes. to be around exactly. until they're not. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, and I think that also we just, you know, because the whole idea of codependence is there's a payoff. And sometimes yeah. we ignore the pain because we want the payoff and we don't want to, you know, I mean, I had two children. And so all I could think is, well, what would I do and how would I, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so the payoff of not being alone and because we were friends, I mean, he was the person that would, you know, listen to me on, you know, when I had a frustrating day with the kids or when I was feeling down in the dumps or, you know, when my grandma passed away and, you know, all these things, 
he, you know, he was because that's what, what the, you know, that's the whole narcissism thing, too, is that they love bomb. So when they yeah. when they see that they can kind of fill up the fill up your tank with their charm and, you know, make sure that, you know, that they are your everything that you kind of ignore the fact that there's a whole other side to this story. And then you just kind of learn how to really pay attention to the good because you like the friendship part and you like the, you know, co-parent part when it's good and you just ignore the parts that are very alarming and you just kind of learn to balance it out. And it wasn't until like now that we're, you know, been divorced for a few years. It's like, I actually, my girls and I sat down a couple of days ago and we're like, we did not know that we can live in a house of peace because mm -hmm. it just was constant. Like the, the hamster wheel was constant and the, the trauma was constant and the frustration, like just all those things. But you just learn to live with it and you just learn to kind of deal with it because there's the codependence payoff. Right. And there's that kind of dance that happens between yeah. the pleaser and the fixer, which is the codependent, and then the taker and yeah. the controller. And, you know, and so I always like to say for people that are listening, you know, there's a lot of levels and types of dysfunction. We're talking specifically yes. about controlling narcissistic codependent relationship, you know, Jezebel and Ahab, right? But, mm -hmm. but every relationship is a balance of power. And yes. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about good power, bad power, but it's a balancing act. It's where, okay, Christy, you and I are going to be friends. So I'm going to tell you a little about myself, then you give a little. Then I, you know, and then if 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 we become friends and 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 you never tell me about any of your problems, then it's going to be hard for me to trust you because I'm going to think, wow, I'm the I'm the needy one. She's the one that has all the answers. And so now we have an imbalance of And those things happen, or you know, or where, you know, the dude or the woman makes all the decisions of everything we do. Now we have another. And so there's always kind of, um, you know, a str think of it as like, right, like a child that's growing and now he's a teenager and now this that he's exerting his own power and that's good mm -hmm. and that's healthy. And that's how we work out in relationship because yeah. we want it to be equal and yes. when you struggle with codependency you you take your power and you give it away and I used yes. to do that to people and I had a platform on the radio and it was crazy I'd be like I'd be trying to buy people's love like oh mm. I'll put you in the you know or like I always felt like I had to buy people off because I wasn't good enough to, to just be me and it was yes. crazy and so then I would get the controllers the takers yes. would come right on in and yes. sometimes you just have a dynamic like you could be in a bad dynamic with someone because you're giving your power away and they're taking it and yet you could talk to their friends that maybe wouldn't have that dynamic because they're not giving it away so yeah. it's there's really two things going on there and and so you know it sounds like for you you as you started to get healthy which I don't know how you did in that relationship, but you probably did through the church and stuff and began to, to, to see, oh my gosh, this is very not balanced. Well, for me, I honestly, so I've always been involved in the church and I've always, but, but here's the kind of the, the sword to that. We tend to, you know, even though we're part of the church, we still, when we are in a not good situation, first of all, it was, you know, we don't really let people in the way that we yeah. should. And we don't create that community where there's accountability and the iron sharpening iron and, mm -hmm. you know, like all the things that the body of Christ is supposed to be. I've always been involved in the church. I've always been really in ministry, too, which is really crazy. And I mean, it's, I'm still grateful that I did and that I was a part of that. And so I always at least had people around me. 
but I wouldn't necessarily let them know what's going on. Because again, you're when you're dealing with somebody who's very narcissistic, it's your fault. And so I wouldn't necessarily open up because I felt ashamed, not because I was in in an abusive place, but because I felt like it was all my fault. And so I didn't necessarily open up to people. But really where my healing came from is I have always been the person that will study the word of God. And so I would always be buying uh, Bible studies from people uh, like I, I really love Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire. I've followed her studies for many years and I would get up every single morning and I felt like it was, you know, like some, like I've never been a coffee drinker. I never, I've never gotten an acquired taste for it, but I would get up in the morning and be in the word and be in a Bible study. And that really is where the healing started because I started to understand who I am in Christ and who, how much God loved me and how much he cared for me. And so the more that I would start to really understand that and the Lord would start to work in me and work kind of on my response to how to th- how things were going. It's like it, it, it kind of did that dynamic of now the sleeping bear is waking up, but yes. I have more strength to fight him. Not physically, yeah. but I have more of, no, wait a minute this is not acceptable because mm-hmm. I am a loved daughter of the King and I deserve better. Now I need to work on me. And cause what would happen is he would do things that were just evil. But then my response out of shock and horror and anger would be to, res- to blow up at him. So then that's when the shame would come in. Cause he'd be like, Oh, you really are a bad wife. And I'd go, Oh, you're right. I'm a bad wife. But then as the healing started to happen, you know, like something would happen, but I, instead of blowing up at him, I would pull myself out of the situation, take some time and just ask the Lord, okay, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I respond to this? And I did bring in a couple of friends that would help me and I would be very open and honest with them and say, this is where I'm at. And one day I remember going out on a walk and I called her and I was like, I cannot believe what he said, this and this and this. She said, that's awful. But how did you respond? And I said, it wasn't good. I yelled at him. She said, okay, if you want the Lord to heal you, then you need to work on, you need to clean your side of the street. And I, that was like vinegar going down. I was like angry. I was like, okay, I hear you. I need a minute. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. For those of you that struggle with boundaries, and this is what you're going through, this is a boundary issue. And mm-hmm. when you first see that you are being taken advantage of, it is natural because you're yes. looking back on your whole life and you're saying, yes. my dad did this to me. My husband did this to me. I'm so angry. I'm going to blow mm-hmm. up because yes. that's the only boundary you know. So yeah. while it felt bad, it was actually kind of healthy because, yeah. that you know, boundaries are supposed to ebb and flow. They're not supposed to like but but when we first start out with boundaries and I did the same thing with alcohol addiction and my brother it was like you're all cut off you know right? I mean? <laughs> that doesn't right? really work you can't just cut yeah. everybody off but that's right. you know and then you you start to work through the anger and you start yes. to learn yep. how to <laughs> respond without yelling I mean I did that yes. when I was in radio all the time because I I never had any boundaries and people are always crashing them and so then the salespeople would come and oh we need eight commercials to start tomorrow and I thought well if I say no I'm gonna get fired and so I would do these mm. things and then I would then I would unload on them and what would happen was I would be 
wrong, even mm-hmm. though I was right, because I was angry. And so exactly. that's what I tell people now. I'm like, if you're going to scream and yell, so like yelling, anger levels the playing field is what my husband always says. If mm, you want to, yeah, if you want to scream, sure, everybody will leave the room and you might actually be right. And this is what I told a guy that I worked with who had this explosive temper. I said, you're right in how you feel, but because you're yelling, now you're going to have to apologize. Yes. Even though you're right. So yeah. if you can communicate what you feel without screaming, exactly. then you don't have the guilt and the apology. But I just oh, want to yeah. make you feel better because yeah. because what you were what you were experiencing was not I mean, yeah, you can call it sin and the Lord would call it sin, but he also knows it came from a pace of place of pain and yes. it's actually a pretty normal part of the healing process is yeah. to experience that anger. That's true. And I and you know, and I heard a, a sermon, like a, a teaching on anger one time, and it really freed me up. It said, everybody deals with anger. They just deal with it in a different way. But because I was the explosive angry person, I would be the one pinned with the quote unquote anger problem. But even though he got angry, but he just dealt with it in a different way than me. But that was really freeing to me that, okay, everybody has it, but you just got to strategic with it. Because manipulative people, manipulative people, they will get you to explode. Exactly. And then they'll say, you're sure angry, aren't you? Exactly. Well, and that's where... You're so angry. We've done everything. You know, and then it's just, it's such a mind, it's such a mind game. It it, it, it just, until you are, you know, and I used to fall for that all the time because I was, I am still not good with manipulative people. I'm not Mm -hmm. good at debating them. I'm not, I get triggered. I'm very bad at it. And so when, when your, your instincts are telling you this person's manipulating me, I don't know how to respond. You tend to want to just get mad and yell at them. And then they're, then, then they, you've kind of done what they want. And oh, it's, yeah. That's exactly Mm -hmm. it. So at one point I actually went and saw a psychologist and he said, okay, what do you want to accomplish? I said, all I want to know, because, you know, I have two children, so they're watching this. But what would happen is they would see me get mad, and then he would pull them aside and go, I know, mom's really got this issue. We should just follow you. And then so he had them totally convinced that there was that was the only side of the story. And that was breaking my heart. And so I went in to see a psychologist at one point when we were still married. And I said, and he said, what do you want to accomplish? I said, I just want to know how when the bear comes out of his den, retracts his claws, and literally tears the skin off my flesh. I just want to know how not to scream out because I'm doing more damage to my to my children than and it's just and then of course I'm dealing with the shame, guilt, and condemnation. And you know, for months all he talked about was my identity and how valuable I was. And and I and I would get so annoyed at first. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get all that. Now what do I do? Boots on the ground. <laughs> How do I fix this problem? And he just kept talking to me about my identity. And it wasn't until much later that I realized that's the key. When you know who you are and you realize who, who, like that you have been created in the image of God and that you don't need to stand for that. And I didn't have to scream and yell about it. But the more I understood who I was in Christ and the more that I could really stand strong, when he would do that, it would affect me less and less and less. Yeah. And to the point where like one time he just was awful to me and I just sent him a text and I said, listen, I said, I'm not sure what's going on with you, but you do not have permission to speak these things to me. And then he, of course, he started to unravel and it was not good, but at least I was able to do it from a different perspective of not feeling like I'm completely out of control, but Mm -hmm. I felt a lot more sure in that, no, 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 
this is not acceptable in the eyes of the Lord. So this is not acceptable to me. And I deserve more because I have more value. And not like in a hoity-toity way, but I deserve better. I have more value than that. And the yeah. Lord places more value on me than that. And I truly, I mean, like, you know, people could have different opinions about this, but I truly believe that the Lord was not going to release me from that situation until I was willing to lay down my weapons and yeah. and really deal with how I responded to things. Because it's like, you know, the way I look at it, it's like, what do we do when we have kids that have a temper tantrum when they're two? Well, we don't give in to their temper tantrum and give them what they want. And I feel like that was what was going on with me and the Lord. It's like I needed to know to be sure-footed and a lot more sure-minded in how I responded to things. And then the Lord could then start moving on my behalf. Well, you know, you need healthy relationships to get healthy, but but a lot of times the unhealthy are a training ground because if you don't know, you know, if you haven't worked through it and how to respond to it and you haven't done your own healing, guess what? You're just going to leave and go back to the same thing. Right. I could see why that would happen. I mean, I kept getting hurt over and over and over again, and it was like, God, why do you keep rewounding me in the same place? Mm, why, exactly. why, 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 why? And it's because because I'm he wasn't done yet because I could I needed that approval so bad. Like I was addicted to approval because right. that's part of the codependency. Oh, you know, yes. love me, you know, approve of me, and so right. I would I would get hurt a lot, and so it was like finally. I went through it with the church and that was the wound of all wounds. It was, I wanted to die. And it was like, okay, God, I got it. You want me to be alone, have no friends, have no church, have no God, I'm done. And he took me to a place of just where I was like naked and bleeding on the floor yes. with nothing. And that's when it all changed. Yes. That's when I was like, oh, I yes. don't need anybody but you. Exactly. And that's, it was so freeing. And it was like, so he just, I just had to keep getting wounded and wounded yes. and wounded. It's like with the alcoholic that finally has to get to the point. Because if you're an alcoholic and you're trying to get sober, nobody in your family wants you to get sober because they need all the dysfunction. So when, so you have to get to the point where you're willing to lose everybody and everything to get healthy mm -hmm. because that's what addiction is. And it doesn't matter yes. if you're, if you're a codependent, you're addicted to people. If you're an alcoholic, you're also a codependent, but you're mm -hmm. also a drunk. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you're, if you're angry, if you're a rageaholic, if you're a, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, you mm -hmm. have to, you're, you're going to keep getting wounded until you hit yes. kind of a bottom you yes. know well and um, I, you know and the other thing is is also being willing to find that community that you're okay with speaking truth into your life and for a long yeah. time I didn't allow that like you know I mean I didn't talk to you about it and there because you know when you feel the shame that's not okay and then you don't talk to people but I mean we need each other that's what the community that's what the body of Christ is for but we need to be willing to be vulnerable with one another. I mean, obviously not everybody. That's obviously not okay. Yeah. But we do need to find key people that we're willing to allow in. Because that was a big deal for me when my friend, you know, when I went on that walk and I was willing to say to her, um, I, yes, I, I did this. And she said, and she didn't shame me for it. She said, okay, that, you know, I understand why, yeah. but just keep in mind that now you're, but now you're ashamed of how you reacted. So you need to, you know, so you need to go back. And so I did. I mean, I didn't apologize like, oh, I was wrong. You were right. I said, I sent him a text and I said, what you said was hurtful, but I need to respond more productively. So please forgive me for my 
response. And so, and of course his response was very pompous, like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, he just, it was, it didn't get me anywhere. So, I, <laughs> but at least I felt better inside that I am on the path to being sure that, that I am doing things the Lord's way and that mm-hmm. I am learning to respond not react. And so as that was happening, I was able to stand up straighter and be more proud of who I am and who God was molding me to be, which is a daughter. Yeah. And and with boundaries and the sweeping off our side of the street and stuff, it's one of those things that you have to do it for you. When, when you yes. call and, oh, say, make an amends to someone or you you set the the boundary that you know your sister's going to crash a thousand times, you have yes. to keep doing it for you. You're not doing yes. it. I mean, because, you know, I mean, we do stuff and we feel like it's in vain all the time, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily in vain if we're doing it for our own mental health, because the more no. you set the boundary, the easier it is for you to do it. Yeah. And so that yeah. makes it not in vain, because you can never control yeah. how other people respond. And in families, yeah. they just crash right out of the top of them. So, yeah. you know, you just yeah. have to keep doing it well, for you. Yeah. And the other thing that I learned that was a big deal for me is just because I'm married to him doesn't mean I need to let him all the way into my heart and all the way into, you know, that inner, that inner, like that secret place in your heart that you only Mm -hmm. let people that are safe. And we automatically think, well, because I'm married to him, that's where he belongs. And I just talked to another gal that's going through some struggles with her marriage the last week. And I told her the same thing. And, And I'm not for, I am, you know, I will not tell somebody to divorce. I mean, that's between them and the Lord. And I get all that. But what I told her is I said, as you are looking for healing and as you're going through some steps to try to heal your relationship with your husband, when he's betrayed you, you don't have to let him all the way in. You can still kind of give, you can put some boundaries around him, not like, you know, brick wall, you're out. But you can put some boundaries around him in a, into a position that you're safe, like go back to friendship if you need to and restart, rekindle that friendship. And that's what I had to learn with him is that even though we were married, I, when he, because he kept betraying, like he was a chronic liar. So he lied to me all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And because of that, it just created more, more wounds and more trauma for me. And so the more that I was willing to kind of etch him out of my heart, but not from a place of I'm divorcing you, but from a place of. I'm going to put I'm going to put you in a little bit of an outside circle with the hope that God will do something to restore our relationship and restore my trust in you. But until that time, I kind of need to put those boundaries around that and I can't let you all the way in. And that's okay. Because trust is earned, and if someone yep. cheats, you know, it's it's the again the narcissistic. I'm always mm-hmm. the victim. We'll try oh, to turn yes. it. What do you mean you don't exactly. trust me? Well, exactly. now I don't trust you. Trust is yes. earned. You need yes. to, you know, it's just like I always bring it back to addiction. It's like, what well, do you don't trust me? No, because you're drunk. All, you know, I mean, yes. you know, until you can show that you've been sober for a year, or that you're not being with other exactly. women or men for a year. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's that's just earned. Well, exactly. Tell me a little bit about your story, because, you know, for, for women that are listening and men, too, that may think, gosh, I think I'm in an unsafe relationship. <laughs> I mean, what are what are kind of some of the the mind trips that that he did and the things that that you went through i mean what does narcissistic wow. abuse look like in a marriage that's such a loaded question uh, well, there we, <laughs> such a, i know that's such a loaded question um well there's like several I different could be a, i could be a reporter you know yeah, tell me congressman uh, <laughs> so let true. me ask you six questions in one I know. there was three uh three things that were very like so he 
well, he's a chronic liar for one, like constant, 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 constant lies. Um, he financially abused us. He never got a job. So he always was, he was trying to be an entrepreneur, but it never was really working. But he would always, I mean, the thing with narcissists is they always believe they're bigger than they are. And yeah. so instead of just humbling himself and saying, I have a family, I need to get a job, even if it's delivering, you know, pizzas, um, I'll do it because my family's worth it. He was always like, oh, no, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be doing that. And I promise this and this and this. And we've literally been like, I never got to see our bank account. So that's a big flag. But again, oh you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to keep the bear quiet and happy. So fine, fine, whatever. He always racked up debt and, that I never knew about. We got kicked out of t at least 10 homes because oh he wouldn't gosh. pay the rent. We had two cars repossessed. But all these things I would find out as it's happening. So like oh the, week, the weekend, it's like, okay, well, we have to be out of here by Monday. Why? Well, uh, you know, excuse, 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 excuse. And I never would know what's going on. I remember having to feed our kids Christmas dinner on $26, you know, and that's really hard when you're a mom and you see all these people loading up their shopping carts and unloading it and paying, you know, all kinds of money. And I'm like, okay, what can I do for $26? And he, but I would never know. So I always felt like the little kid, like, please, you know, I, I t and I would tell him this. I, it's like, I'm, I'm so sick of coming to you and saying, you know, please, daddy, may I feed my children? And him like, you know, yes, here you may have $20, child. And so and then I'd have to go to the store and try to figure out how to how to pull that off. And but I never again, I never knew what was there. And I never knew how much I had. And he never mm. would give me access to it. He stole money from me. He stole money from my dad, my dying father. He stole money from my dad. I mean, it just was awful. I don't even honestly know everything that he did. And, and I don't know why I never just put the brakes on it and said, this is not okay. But I think in my mind, because he's not punching me in the head and bruising my eyeball, it's not too bad. So that, I think that's right. what I would tell myself. There was even, I mean, I don't know how G-rated this is, and but that's like even bedroom things that he would do. He created a woman who would, quote unquote, speak prophetically to me. So she would, she, but I found out it was him would send me emails, the Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord says, and it basically was to serve his purposes in the bed. She, quote unquote, would send things, physical things, toys, videos. The Lord says, like, this is what the Lord wants <gasps> you to do. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was bad. And I found out it was him. Of course, you know, he denies it, but I found, I figured it out. I mean, and that woman's email was on his cell phone, figured out that it was him. And so, and he would do things like she would send an email, very vivid. Well, you need to do da, 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 da in the bed. And the Lord will send a sign. Uh, I think you guys are waiting for, you know, I hear the Lord telling me you guys are waiting for a passport. And we were, we were waiting for my daughter's, you, you know, United States passport. And, and he would walk in the door 10 minutes later. Oh my gosh, the passport's arrived. So then of course, as the wife looking to serve the Lord and to be obedient to the Lord would feel obligated to do things in the bedroom that I don't want to do, but I don't want to be a disobedient wife. And so, yeah, but he, that was a whole thing that he created for his oh my own gosh. pleasure. So, and so this is part of the emotional abuse. So yes. this is, this is like, I mean, I'm thinking of the Lifetime movie. I'm so sorry that I had to use the word Lifetime, okay. but you know, where, where there's stuff like that, but then also, you know, where the, where the man, 
a lot of times it's the man in the Lifetime movie, but we know it works both ways, makes you feel like kind of you're the one going nuts here. Think about how manipulative the emotional abuse involved in what you just told me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is such a abuse of of emotional power. Because, you know, when you think about people, when you think about emotional abuse, we all have the power to do that. I mean, my husband is, he loves me. God bless me with such, such an amazing marriage. But he, he's the kind of man that would do anything for me. And if I was a narcissistic, I could take advantage. And every single day, Mm -hmm. I have to make a choice to say, don't take advantage of his kindness. Don't, you know what I mean? Because I know that I could. And real Christianity and real power, it's just like the, uh, we're studying Thessalonians and the, you know, the apostle Paul, he's, you know, he says, we could have used our force to, you know, take from you, but we came humble. We treated you. We didn't use the power that we Mm -hmm. had. And so this is an an incredible abuse of power. Well, and then, and then, so steamroller it all together. So he had gone out of town and I wasn't even getting mail of any kind, not even like, not even um, junk mail. And I thought, well, that's really weird. So I called him. I said, did you put a stop on our mail? And he got angry at me. How dare you accuse me of such a thing? I would never do anything like that. And at the time, you know, because we'd had so many issues, we, like he's, he had tanked his, his, uh, you know, his credit score because of all the, you know, kick out car repossessions. And because I was all in his name, well, I was starting to build my credit. And so we got a car in my name and I would, I was working part time and I would hand him the cash to go pay for the car. And I'd say, do not screw this up. Your credit's already tanked. We need at least one of ours to be better so that we can get a house maybe someday, an adult properly someday. Oh, no, no. I would. Yeah, of course. So he goes out of town. He stops the mail. I realize it. And so I go to the pick up the mail and sure enough, my car and my name is now about to get repossessed. He comes back into town, grandiose apologies, gas, you know, all the, well, this is actually, you know, it's not just, it's not my fault. And, you know, I mean, it was crazy. It's the craziest thing. And then, and then you topple that with now I'm getting these letters from this woman, quote unquote. And so I'm angry at him. I feel betrayed by him for good reason. And then he, of course, because I yelled at him, it's my fault. And now he wants me to do this in bed. And so he sends his little friend or sends me a letter on behalf of this quote unquote prophetic woman. So now I feel like I'm being raped because I'm doing things out of obedience from the Lord. My heart is broken because my husband just lied to me and I, I feel like I'm being raped by him. And so betrayal, you know, to the 10th degree, we now have to move out of our home. He trashed now my credit. And now I have to do these things for him. And so it was just a big, big, big mess. Oh, my God. Well, and that is because you, you were, were being raped. It's emotional mm-hmm. incest. But then yeah. but then you add the physical part on it. Mm-hmm. So now you've got like a double whammy. I mean, it's just like there just could be story after story. And then as my girls got older is when you're dealing with teenagers. So, you know, you've got teenage girls and I have and both and my girls are very, very opposite. So we had a people pleaser that just wanted to be daddy's girl and not ruffle his feathers. And then we had the other one that she would, she's a truth, like she's a truth warrior. So she and him would absolutely lock horns all the time. And actually that ended up being the end of our story is he actually started abusing her. And there was, there was a public incident that happened where actually DCF even got involved. 
But all I told him was, you need help. We can no longer function as a family like this anymore. You need help. And, uh, you know, and I just feel like the Lord had spent that year equipping me and teaching me and giving me strength and poise and purpose and value and all these things. And I know that it was all for this moment so that I could stand upright and handle this well. And I didn't yell at him. I didn't get, I just said, this is not okay anymore. This is now a safety issue. Go stay with your mom. Let's go get counseling and help. And let's rebuild the family from a different place because this can no longer keep continue to function. This is not okay. And he was so angry that I challenged him. And so he ended up filing for divorce and locking us out of our home. So we started homeless from that place. And, but of course it's all my fault. (laughs) No, my fault. Like he even kept telling our pastor, don't you want to know why I did what I did at the public place? And he, and he said, no, I don't. She's a, you know, she's your child. She's your daughter. And as a teenager, it's kind of her job to annoy you, but you do not get, you do not give yourself permission to respond in that manner. But he just never backed down. He never relented. And But then, of course, you know, she was dealing with the guilt because he blamed her and he told her, this is all your fault. Like he looked at her in the eye and he said, this is all your fault. If you weren't so rebellious, our family would still be together. And so she took on a lot of guilt for a long time. And um, I allowed the, you know, when, when he filed for divorce, I had just my community around me and they said, see this is probably the best thing that's happened to you in a long time <laughs> so you may not see it now but it's probably the best thing that's going to happen to you and the girls and well and because narcissistic the narcissists that function at that um level you know it just it depends on what their style of narcissism is but it's mm-hmm. it's as you say they will never ever admit fault no. I mean, in, in deep down, the root of narcissism is the same as codependency. It's shame. It's a wound mm. so deep, but they can't ever look at themselves because they're afraid if they actually see themselves, they will like die. They'll be so ashamed of what they see. So they create something that's completely false and they never are honest with themselves or anyone else. So really, it's kind of just a sad situation for for them eventually they just they just end up being, you know, kind of miserable people. But I mean, I know of a family that you know, they divorced him and he's narcissistic and it's and he's a lawyer. I mean, he just stop at nothing. They don't care if they ruin their children's life, their wife's anything anything it's like oh you're going to divorce me i'm going to destroy your life i'm going to mm-hmm. destroy you know mm-hmm. that my kids lives like i don't care as yeah. long as i don't have to admit fault exactly. I and mean, it's unbelievable it's yeah. just unbelievable yeah and it i mean it was crazy i was like i'm willing and he even he had already filed and you know he put us out we were basically homeless mm-hmm. and we still to this day we were built from nothing he didn't give us our beds my dishes nothing like zero, oh. zero. We literally started from scratch. And, you know, that's hard when you're in your 40s and you have two kids to take care of. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And but even a co- like a few weeks into it, he said, you know, I don't really want a divorce. What can we do? I said, same message. Go stay with your mom. Let us have our home. Like, let your daughters have their beds back for crying out loud. And let's go to counseling and see if we can rebuild. And um, but it, we cannot be together this way. Like, we just we need to rebuild. Like we've got to basically start a whole new blueprint for our family. And he just basically went, "Mm, nope. And so that was it. I just, I just walked out the divorce and just 
leaned heavily, heavily, heavily on the Lord because as a narcissist, and especially a narcissist that's losing control, oh my gosh, like, I mean, I have like a binder of all of the cyberbullying he did to my daughter. You know, when they're losing control, they just get even worse. And yes. So, so while we were going through the divorce, because he was married before me for about a year and a half, and of course, I've heard stories for 18 years about what happened between him and his wife. And he was, of course, the knight in shining armor, and she was messed up and all these things. And his childhood pastor had contacted me and said, I think you need to get a hold of his ex-wife. I feel like you're going you're gonna to find it very educational. And he did the same thing to her. She even said, I hope that he didn't go into his weird sex thing with you. And I went, <gasps> and she's like, he actually locked, he changed the locks on their apartment and filed for divorce. And, but that is not the story he told me for 18 years. And so, but that put me, like, that really hurt me. So I was like, wow, how did I fall for it? And how did I stay in it for 18 years? But, you know, when you have the personality of believing the best in people and wanting to be the woman of God that you feel you're called to be, you just, you, you know, you just, you don't go into battle mode. You just try to go, you go back into the peacekeeping mode. And well, so, and it sounds like he used a lot of spiritual abuse. Oh, yeah. All the time. God says, God says, God says this, God. And I would just follow because you want to follow your husband, the the leader of your home, all the time. God says, God says, God says. And I would imagine that, was there, um, were you in in a church that was dysfunctional, that was, um, you know, would he choose the churches you went to? Yes. And there was always a lot of church hopping. And I really... You know, I mean, and, you know, we moved from Canada to California. That's where I met you. And then we moved from California to here. And both times was to, quote, unquote, start over. Mm-hmm. But everywhere I go, I build community. I build relationships. And, you know, and they were starting to put the heat on him right down to his childhood pastor. This is not okay. This is not okay. This, You know, oh, no, no, God says, oh, no, no, I'm, the, you know. And he would, when things would get bad enough that he felt like he might lose me, then he would, you know, he would put the right checks and balances in place of, okay, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get accountability. Okay, I'm going to go get counseling, but it would never last. Well, and what it was too, was he was, he would get to the point of being exposed. Yes. And found out for who he really was. And then it's like, oh, we're going to move on now. We're going to move on. And that's, by the way, anybody who's listening, very to try to, you know, keep you away from safe people is always part of the game to keep you isolated from anybody that knows what the heck's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's my one friend in Canada. She cried when, you know, when all was said and done and she said, he took you away from us and he knew what he was doing. And, you know, and so now I'm very careful. Like, you know, when people tell me a sob story or, you know, I'm like, okay, do you, you know, I, I watch because people, you know, like what kind of a community do they have around them? And I just, again, I'm realizing, or I have always realized the importance of having community around and having people in your life, because that's just as the, you know, I mean, even Jesus had people around and he was the most self-sufficient person that's ever walked this planet, but he always had people around him. And so I'm very, I'm a big advocate of making sure we have people around us. And because, you know, there's that scripture that says, as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens the countenance, you know, they, uh, you, ca- you sharpen the countenance of your friend. And so, and he always, always, always was isolating. And with this, he never would 
receive accountability. He would never receive counsel. It was like, oh, no, no, I got this. And that's the biggest sign of someone who's an unsafe individual is that whole never admitting fault and no accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see that right up front, you need to walk away. I don't care yes. how good it is. You need to walk <laughs> away. Because if someone Absolutely. can't ever admit fault, well, then mm-hmm. guess what? You're never going to be treated well. Your feelings will right. never be acknowledged because they're never wrong. I mean, exactly. you cannot be in any kind of a relationship with someone like that. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work. No. Um, no. You know, and, and sadly, as we, you know, uh, in, in the church, unfortunately, you know, and I, I, they say when, when a narcissist is involved in, in the ministry or like what you're saying, um, you know, in a marriage, the best thing to do is get away. Mm-hmm. Get away mm-hmm. fast because you can't, you really can't go up against that. No. And, and it's 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 like the story you told me about the, the 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 fake woman. I mean, I can't even people normal people. We can't even like what? Like we can't even relate to that. Like you you can't you, you know it's like oh well I'm going to take on this narcissist and and you you can't. No. I mean you're not supposed to. No, they're beyond c- comprehension. Yeah. I mean they'll do stuff that we just can't do as human beings. And that's okay. You don't have to feel ashamed. Just right. get away. Yeah. Right? Well, I think the thing is, too, is they always want you to engage. And that's the yes. one thing I've realized is that if I, do, if I do not engage, like even to this day, I cannot engage because they really believe their, their narrative and they mm-hmm. believe their own lies and they will. And so getting in the middle of that is there's absolutely no point. You will just emotionally drain yourself because at the end they'll, they'll have you spinning so much that you're like, okay, me, did I, am I wrong? No, am I, maybe he's right. And no, it's, you can't, you know, it's like you right away. It's like, nope, don't even, don't even get like, don't put your dog in that fight. (laughs) You'll never Uh, win. You'll never win. Right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Well, what would you say to other women, you know, who may be feeling like they're in a, I don't know, just women or men or anybody? Yeah. That, you know, I mean, what what are some signs that you, you know, looking back, you know, because one of the things with our instincts is we, we know, but we, t- and as women, we're always trying to be nice. And mm-hmm. so we know a lot of things. And, and in fact, women's instincts are much stronger than men's. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're much stronger physically and have the other things. But we were born with those instincts because right. we got to get away. Mm-hmm. We're the weaker sex. We got to get away. So when you talk to any female victims of crime, they will say, oh, you know, I, I, I knew he was going to kill me. I saw this. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. But I told myself another story because I was taught to ignore those feelings. Mm -hmm. But we have very strong instincts. First of all, listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you have have that relationship with God and you feel a check of, "Mm, this may not be okay, don't don't pass it off quickly. Be willing to entertain that and just listen to it. And, pr- and just really kind of chew on it. Like, okay, what am I really feeling here versus loyalty? You know, because yeah. your loyalty needs to be to your heart. And so if you're feeling something and um, d- definitely, definitely listen to that. But, you know, like, you know, that scripture of, you know, you treat others the way that you would treat yourself. That's yeah. really important. And I mean, there's so many things that, I mean, I would never do. So why am I receiving that? Why am I okay? 
I, I mean, like it even got physical a couple of times where he literally choked me to the point where I peed my pants. And but I just <gasps> waved it off like, OK, I'm the one that caused that because I'm the one that got angry. We won't talk about why I got angry, but I got angry. And so he choked me. And but that should never be OK. That should never, oh never be God. OK. I would never, you know. And so you have to really look at are they treating you with the kind of respect that you want and the kind of respect that you deserve? And if they're not, you might want to take a second look at that relationship and it, you know, and do you need to put some boundaries around that or at least start looking at what do I need to do to put a stop at this? I mean, sometimes we just don't even say anything for a long, long time. And I think that we need to be willing to speak up and just Uh say, you know, this behavior, like, not, you know, don't use the word behavior, I think, because that's like a kid thing, but just be like, hey, you know, when you said this, that's just not okay. And we need to really be willing to put some, you know, to be willing to stand up for truth. You know, I wouldn't do it in the moment of anger, but maybe circle back around and just be like, mm, I don't think that's okay. And I don't appreciate being treated that way. And I wouldn't do it to you. So I'm asking that. So, you know, I think, and then of course the, you know, the financial stuff. Okay. That's because I didn't get a black eye. I didn't see it as horribly wrong. That's very wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. women and men in a relationship, it is a partnership. And there it there needs to be a partnership with that. And there never was a partnership. And that's not okay. You know, I'm raising young women and I need to teach them how to handle finances, not just yield to the first, you know, to the man that you marry, but to, to be able to learn how to do things for themselves and then also to do things in a partnership. And, you know, he just had somehow in his mind you know, he never had a father growing up. And so he just never had an example. So in his mind, how you manage the home is you have total control. And he wouldn't, no matter if a pastor said it to him, which pastors had said it to him for years and years, no, that's not okay. It's a partnership. And he just never, ever listened to that ever. And that's just not okay. That's, yeah, that's good advice, you know, and and they say, you know, too, we we treat people how to treat us. And so that's what happens. And then, It's good that you got away because by by staying, then you would have been treating your daughter. You would have been showing your daughters how to be treated. And that's not okay, you know. And so I would, yeah, I would echo all those things. And then also just, again, it's how we show up in the relationship. So we, we need to be with healthy people and also go through our own recovery so that Mm -hmm. we're not allowing ourselves to get involved in uh, situations like that. And and I think relationally, the best way to do it is getting with healthy, healthy people that can help Mm -hmm. us grow and help us have a voice. You know, if you don't have a voice, it's bad to be in a relationship without a voice. You don't want that. And you need safe people that like you need to, I, I don't care if you're in a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship. We need, like as the body of Christ, we need each other. You need to find safe people that you're willing to, you know, it even says in the Bible, do confess your sins to one another. Well, we as American society and as adults, we're like, no, 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 that's private. Well, no, because if as we, as we build relationships with people around us and we're what we find, they can point some of these things out because yeah. they understand where your, you know, your journey and they'll understand where you are and they you know, and I, and I, and that they can come alongside you and say, you know, have you thought that this may not be okay? And mm-hmm. had somebody who loved me and, you know, that had come through, I mean, I had a couple of friends, but, and honestly, I think now that I look, you know, when I look through the years, they were the ones that did, they were the voices that gave me the strength to say, 
um, this may not be okay. And, but we try to suffer in silence way too much. And we just, that's just not how we're built. We're not built to do that. And the other thing too, is with regards to the, the counseling, you know, it's uh, any type of counseling is always a good idea. And if you're <laughs> with someone and they are refusing any type of counseling, that's a very bad sign. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or they'd go from counselor to counselor because they don't like what's being said to them. You know, because they're being exactly. called to accountability and they're like, eh, let's go find somebody else. And that actually they did happen. Mm -hmm. Or they try to yeah. split the, the counselor, like, can I yep. talk to you uh, privately about who this yep. person really is? So there's those types of things, very, you know, warning signs for sure. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's a, you know, because that did happen. He had seen our pastor for two years. And finally, he's like, well, let's go to someone else. I said, you're just doing that because you don't like what he's saying to you. And but of course, that wasn't. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I was, you know, um, mm -hmm. but that's just. But that's really what the bottom line is, is that he did not appreciate that, you know, he's told something and he didn't want to put the work into what he was being told to do. And he didn't, he was going to make him change. And he didn't like that because he truly believes that I am the problem. And, you know, I mean, he, he's the one that filed for divorce and he put right on the papers that, um, that I was too, I created too toxic of an environment for anybody to live in. And you know, and so he, it was it, like, just to see that on paper was really quite astonishing. It really was like, wow, he really wow. believes that. He really believes that I am a horrifying person. And he told our last counselor that we saw together that I literally, he told me, told him and told me that I'm a monster. And so, and but when DCF got involved, I said, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've yelled. And he said, well, any, anybody in a stressful situation, that's pretty normal. He said, and I said, am I in trouble for that? He said, nope. The only time you'll be in trouble is if you release those kids to him. So even they saw that, yeah. you know, and that, and that kind of gave me a, like I could breathe a sigh of relief and it kind of took the shame off of me. Like, okay, yes, yes, I yelled, but that doesn't make me a monster. That doesn't make me the bad person. That just makes me a hurt person that is trying to cope. Yeah. And, and again, you know, also the reason being connected with other people is a lot of times what we don't see can actually be quite obvious to other people, just like it was to my sure. husband, because he had an experience with narcissism and he was like, that guy's not OK. Like, you know, and that was 10 <laughs> years ago, you know, yep. but you didn't see it and I didn't see it, especially no. because it was a man. It was a guy thing. Yeah. like I didn't. I, I oh, you know, because we like this, you know, oh, he's strong and, you know, mm -hmm. assertive. And we think that's yep. good. Well, sometimes it is if it's healthy. But, yes. but when it's not, it's very destructive, yeah. you know, and yeah. and so a lot of times, you know, other people can actually totally see uh, yes. what we don't see, particularly with narcissism, because it's mm -hmm. it's pretty out there. I mean, I was telling you earlier before the interview, like I went to his Facebook page because I know who we're talking about. Yes. And I was just like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> I mean, it was to me because because and then it's it's he's got all this stuff about narcissism and how to spot him and how, you know, it's just this total projection. And it was just like, oh, my word, it's it's this it's now I've done these things. So I'm going to create this kind of false front. So everyone thinks yeah. that I'm a victim. But really, mm -hmm. I'm a sadistic, manipulative, abusive type of a person. And, and yeah. so they have to create uh, what they want people to yeah. see to yeah. inflate that kind of narcissistic ego, even though yeah. it's all a lie. Yeah. Um, well, like, it, you, know. you know, like with that story, like he, you know, I mean, there was a bill that was in my name, but legally he was bound to that bill and he did not take it out of my name and didn't pay it. And I just said, you need to pay this bill. 
And I just wouldn't relent from that because, you know, and he would get into some of the emotional, uh, you know, I might just be, you know, having a hard time. I said, I'm sorry that you're going through a hard time, but that's, you're ruining my credit and that needs to stop and you need to pay this bill. And he would go into, you know, just again, would try, but because I'd been removed enough, I just was very black and white. You need to pay this bill. I didn't bash mouth him. I didn't bash him. I didn't call him names. I didn't get angry. I didn't threaten him. I just said, you need to take, like, this is your responsibility legally. I need you to take care of this bill in a timely manner. And, you know, and then I find out later that he's like, ha, ah, I just was gaslighted and that used to affect me, but now it doesn't. And I wanted to write him and say, do you even know what gaslighting means? Do you even understand the definition? Because asking you to pay a bill is not gaslighting, but him trying to project that on me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically, and you see this in politics all the time, where where the narcissist will take their own behavior and project it onto someone else's. That's kind of what narcissism is. It's all about yes. projecting and okay. dumping dumping their ig and their pain straight into yeah. you, and like then all, you taking it in. Like all mm -hmm. you say was, "Sure, let me take care of it." You know, conversation over. <laughs> Right. It was just so like on and on. But because I wouldn't engage and I just wouldn't get on that hamster wheel with him, I was like, I'm sorry you're going through that. This bill, you know, you know, because right. I was looking to buy a house and my credit score had dropped 30 points because of this bill that's not mine. I said, you need to take care of this bill because it is affecting how I, you know, my financial responsibility to your children. So please pay this bill. But I, I was very, I still have all those texts. Like, I mean, there, I wasn't rude. I wasn't mean. I was very just direct. Just um, pay the bill, please. Thank you. Have a good night. And that, you know, and then he went on and on and called people and angry because I was gaslighting him. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my word. Oh Lord. Well, Christy, thank you for being here, for sharing your heart, your story. Uh, all this information. I always want to make sure I give people an opportunity to allow others to reach out to them. Are you yes. open yes. to hearing from people that maybe are struggling that need yes, to? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so what what what's your contact? My email is momofthecutest at yahoo.com or you can Facebook. I mean, you could tag me in it and you can put my Facebook, which is Christy, but it's Christy McKeever Johnson. Um, no, I, I truly believe that my story was not just for me and my pain and my redemption, but it's for kingdom. And, yeah. you know, and we need to pull together as women and encourage one another and be support system for one another. And that, you know, and that's how God turns ashes into beauty is that he takes those ashes and he puts and he makes beautiful things out of those places. And, you know, and us coming together and linking arms with one another and supporting one another and encouraging one another. Like that to me is the biggest treasure. And if I, it was worth every single pain in every single moment of it. If, you know, if there are some women that can be set free and stand up and really truly learn who they are in Christ and how much God loves them and is cheering them on and is for their freedom and healing and all that. I mean, that's just, I, can, I I'm so excited to be part of that journey for, with women. And like, I, I got to share that my testimony at a women's conference last weekend and I just love watching women light up with hope and just go, okay, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and, and I, there are people that are praying for me and that are going to love me through this and support me and encourage me and be there for me. And that's to me, that's kingdom. And that's worth every single moment. Amen. Yeah. And that's so true. You know, we, we are 
here to love and support one another, not not through condemnation or anything no. like that. So mm-mm, um, mm-mm. if you are in a dark place, if you're struggling, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I think I'm in you know, an abusive relationship, please get help. Please yes. get yes. out. Please get yes. uh, counseling. Yes. Um, and again, you can reach out to Christy. You can also <laughs> reach out to me as well. Uh, yes. If you have any questions, it's my email is connect with Jody Stevens at yahoo.com. And you can find out more information too um, on my blog, which is, uh, or actually my website, which also has a, a healing blog there. And it is jodystevens.org. So thank you again for being here, my friend. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I love what you're doing. And I love that you are just connecting women for the purpose of healing and growth. So, cause we just kept, we cannot suffer silently. We just weren't meant no. to do that. So, 